All right, you are listening to the Drew Marshall Show. Thanks for tuning in. We are streaming live at drewmarshall.ca. And uh, where else are we? We are... I've got to read this because I can't remember. We're on the MyJoy Radio app on iTunes or Google Play and across the GTA, of course, on AM 1250 Joy Radio. Talking to a number of people today about some books that they've written and some struggles they've had to process... And we're moving along to our next guest, Natalie Harris. She's the author of Save My Life School, A First Responder's Mental Health Journey. This true story chronicles Natalie's mental health journey after attending a high-profile double murder at a uh, Barry Motel in 2012. Uh, treating her patient, actually the accused and now convicted Mark Dobson, kind of messed with Natalie, kind of really messed with Natalie, and caused her to experience what experts call a moral injury. Save My Life School is a raw, compelling, emotional, and sometimes laugh-out-loud first-person account of Natalie's journey with three overdoses, hospitalization, and rehab. And this is a story of reclamation that candidly reveals some of the challenges and stigma many people with PTSD, depression, and addiction faced. What a privilege to have this lady in the studio. You know, I resonate with a whole bunch of your story uh, because of what I grew up in. I don't know if you creeped on me in my website. Did you read anything about my bio? Just a little. Yeah? But carry on. <laughs> uh, well, I grew up in the funeral industry. Right. And so, uh, you know, at 14, no, well, 14, 16, 17, I was woken up in the middle of the night, get told to put on the suit, and we'd go out and we'd go to homicide or suicide scenes and, you know, stuff wow. stuff that, yeah. I think my, look, I was a rat bag growing up. I mean, I was a real jerk. And I think my my dad was trying to snap me out of it and give me a little <laughs> dose of life, right? So anyway. But that leads me to the first question, which is, I don't know if I have PTSD. Do I have PTSD? How do I find out if I have PTSD? I want some PTSD. Everyone, sounds like a Seinfeld episode. <laughs> um, and then I guess not everybody experiences the same thing, right? That's right. Uh, yeah. So thank you first for having me on the show. I'm so excited. Yeah, PTSD and also even the terminology PTSD is being debated. Do we say it's post-traumatic stress disorder? There's some a lot of science right now that's saying that it's an actual injury and affects three different parts of our brain. Um, so we're still learning a lot about it. But the common symptoms with PTSD are nightmares or um, flashbacks of a certain call or collection of calls, as well as um, so that obviously affects your sleep, anger. Um, sometimes people have like hypervigilance, sound sensitivities. I have that a lot. And uh, should, I, should I talk quiet? No, what no. Do you mean sound sensitivities. <laughs> You're fine. If I so if I'm out on the street, I wear specialized earplugs because if a bus goes by or a motorcycle with a loud muffler, really? it really it triggers my anxiety huh. and um, it helped the earplugs have helped me a lot. So I'm actually hopefully doing some therapy soon to adjust to sound. Interesting. Yeah. Yes. Um, you know, now I got to admit here, you know, I'm, I've, I'm probably too open on air like this, but, um, I'm, I'm kind of thrown off because your, your son's here with you today and there are, I'm, I'm thinking, okay, as a mom, you know, what do you want your son to hear? What don't you want your son to hear? What does he know? What doesn't he know? Um, and you know, I, I'm not even sure how, what does he know about the case itself that day? 
he knows that um, Mark Dobson was my patient and that uh, it was a murder. He knows that I had to go and testify in trial. He knows most of the details, and he even contributed um, a little portion in my book. So he knows pretty much everything I've been through. He, you know, went away to Homewood and hospitalizations. Yeah. Okay. So... That wasn't your first traumatic case, though, was it? No. You had been on several before that. Oh, yes. And you were a paramedic, okay. Yes. So uh, the first case that you remember coming up to, do you totally, totally remember that? And do you think you have PTSD from that, too? I it's such a great question. I think that PTSD is cumulative. Okay. So I definitely have calls throughout my career, 11 years full-time on the road, that I struggled with processing and would have some depression and um, and back then coped with it with alcohol. So, yes, I think it's cumulative. And then the travel lodge call was like the tip of the iceberg that just, you know, pushed everything over. And yeah. um, did you, this is such a tacky way to ask this. I should be better at this. No, you're not, it's great. You're good. Did you freak out? On that call at the Travelodge Motel. By the way, should we keep saying Travelodge? Are they going to sue you? Or? No, not at all. Okay. It's very public. It's okay. very media. Uh, did you freak out on the call, or did you, like most uh, EMTs, kind of hold it together, and then afterwards things fell, things fell apart? I think I held it together. Yeah. That's the best part of being a paramedic and a first responder in general. We're trained to deal in chaos and to manage chaos. So originally when we got to the scene, we thought maybe Mark Dobson was a victim um, of some kind of an assault that the, the perpetrator had left. So we had no idea what the actual call was yet. And then we got Mark into the back of the ambulance and I was starting an IV on him and he started to talk. And then the police officer escorted us and on the way to the hospital, he um, charged him with two counts of murder. Wow. So what was the deal again? This was some kind of satanic pack ritual. We're going to all kill ourselves kind of thing. And Mm -hmm. then he chickened out or couldn't do, I don't know what. He sure tried. He he had a lot of um, uh, laceration, self-inflicted wounds. Right. I was very surprised that he was alive. Really? Yeah. He needed a lot of surgery. Well, it's interesting what the body can do. Just to jump tracks a little bit, I have a friend, uh, Lenore Wirtz, who uh, was attacked in Orangeville about six years ago and stabbed 31 times and was left with a unit of blood in her. And the paramedics who showed up that day happened to have with them a guy from like some fancy hospital in Toronto who was a huge trauma expert, and she survived. Uh, Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So did you have to work on the guy who did the killing after you knew he was the guy that did the killing yes i had to does that change as soon as you find out like as soon as you go whoa this guy did this yes then do you does it change i I mean what right right uh you know again we're just we're programmed and trained to do our job and we do our job in, in a lot of traumatic situations where even like abuse with children or like some things are, are just uncomprehendable or incomprehensible. And when we found out that he most likely was the murderer, I was, like I said, literally doing an IV on him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was a short drive to the hospital anyway, but... I was like kneeling down kind of beside him. He had no, he didn't have handcuffs on at that point. So and, you were thinking he could do something right, to me. Right, yeah. I, I was just like, well, here we go. I have no idea what's going to happen. But the police officer was literally sitting on the seat right behind me. So 
Yeah, it all happened very, very quickly. Did you research what they were into later? Did you go, okay, I just had this whole bizarre experience. Two people killed. This guy kind of helped save his life. Uh, he's now being arrested in charge of that. I wonder, and, and they did what? And why did they do this again? So did you, did you get into the whys of this case? Did you research it online or anything? Did you start sniffing stuff out for yourself? Um, I, I didn't really research it, but yeah. I do. I know that, I mean, you, you would hear it on the radio anyways. It was in the news. It was a very public um, call. I didn't really want to know too yeah, much. Yeah. I knew where the ladies were from, and I knew um, that it was surrounding a satanic um, day. That right. was something that they would be able to go into a different life okay. if they all died. Okay. Yeah. Was there any part of you, Natalie, that sort of went into dude suck it up you know all these other guys you work with because correct me if i'm wrong but is it not a male mostly male kind of it used to be we're about 50 50 now but mostly it used to be yeah a couple years ago all these other people you know they're doing this and they're seeing the same kind of things and they're not falling apart what's your deal right did you you slip down that alley absolutely that's the thing you know when we went to school we would be trained in um, medical directives and how to deal with chaos but we never were trained on how to emotionally process the things we see the sounds the smells everything that stay with us so when i was starting to have nightmares and starting to be angry at things that i didn't even know why i was angry i thought um, I just would start drinking. That's how I dealt with it. I'm like something, I don't, I don't even know what was wrong with me at that time. Right. I had no deep education on what PTSD was. So does the PTSD complicate this question? And here's the question. Are you an alcoholic? Yes. Wait, would you, yes, you're yes, an alcoholic or yes, the PTSD complicates it because you're not really an alcoholic. It's just because of PTSD. I'm no, I'm an alcoholic, but um, it is very much intertwined. So addiction is um, quite commonly intertwined with a diagnosis of PTSD. Right. So um, I don't know what came first, the chicken or the egg, really. But they're very, um, they're like intertwined, pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. So you can't take a drink, or you can with no nothing. 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 Nope. I go to 12-step meetings, and I, um, I've i been clean and sober for well, quite some time now, and I love my life now that I don't use any alcohol. Yeah, you seem really, like you have just a lot of light pouring out of your face, <laughs> which you. just sounds so light a candle. <laughs> um, <laughs> where are the beads, man? Um, but you, when was the last time you were in the dark? another great question you know i i tried to go back to work in june on the road so it's almost a year now and it very quickly came to me that it wasn't going to be healthy and it wasn't that i even did a traumatic call i was just the noises were too loud i couldn't sleep when i could putting my uniform on was very very difficult and going back in the ambulance so I only did a few shifts and then i went back into depression because i realized at that time I was not healthy enough to be a paramedic on the road anymore. So that darkness was different, though. That darkness was, I need to grieve the loss of my career. And how do I do that? And when does that start? Mm 
So I've done a lot of work on spirituality and mindfulness, and that's probably the light you see. <laughs> yeah. Did you wear that cross knowing you were coming to the show today, or no. do you normally wear that cross? This is my cross. I totally threw you under the bus with that. You no. could have said, oh, yeah. I right. come no, to no. I got this about... in Mexico. I've had it for nice. quite I some like time. I like that a lot. Thank you. Um, I'm also noticing the tats, the sleeve. Yes. Um, who, who are you when... No, no, I don't even want to ask that. Let me just back up on this one. When you feel the darkness coming down on you, what what do you grab onto? I I need to be mindful of the moment, of the now. So usually the darkness is it's not even close to the, you know, demon-filled world that I was in before I went to treatment and before I did all of my different outpatient programs. That was a world that was, I, I, I kind of described my depression even in layers. And so layer four, if you read my book, is the most, is just I, I'm barely functioning. The world doesn't seem real to me anymore. Can't get out of bed. Delusional thinking, illogical oh. reasoning, just completely not processing, can't eat, can't drink. That's what I was before. Wow. And I'm not like that anymore. So it's because I have tools, I can play the tape to the end. I reach out to family members. I can go to the Buddhist Center, which is in my town. Again, I, like I said, I have 12-step meetings that I go to. I have support. I have crisis plans. My kids are um, aware of my emotions because I don't hide them anymore. Yeah. And that's really good for them. Yeah. So the darkness isn't the same. It's just... Um, it's like just a lower, it's a much less degree of still depression, well, but. Yeah, it sounds like you're at the point where you can, first of all, what I don't hear you saying is, oh, no, there's no darkness. I don't have a problem no, with it. No, no, no. Right. no, you're saying, okay, yeah, the darkness still tries to get on me. But when it comes in, I acknowledge it. I see it for what it is. And I say, thank you very much. Um, and you don't really get to run my show like that anymore. That's right. Is that true? Absolutely. And I th a lot of my challenges with darkness now are surrounded by, um, you know, I'm, I'm very vocal with my advocacy for this. And I've struggled with f changes in friends and friendships. and and But I've learned to use any darkness that comes to me as a spiritual teacher. Hmm. And it helps me to see it that way and to wish people love. And that's genuinely what I try to practice every day. At the risk of saying the word darkness too much here, <laughs> um, I want to talk about... See, I, I've asked over the years many people if they've encountered darkness. And when I say darkness, I don't necessarily mean, um, you know, the fog that comes over all of us as human beings where we kind of, we just go meh. That's a technical term, by the way. I like it. That's mm. good. Um, I mean supernatural. Mm. So if you are, you know, you've got the cross in your neck, you get the Buddha Center thing, you're, you know, your higher power stuff and your support group and AA or whatever, um, that would suggest that there is something greater out there and there's something supernatural to hang on to. Ipso facto, which I've always wanted to say live on it. air. Great. Um, that means that there's probably some bad supernatural thing out there. Do you think that's true? I think that there's different energies. Okay. So I think that as human beings, I, we're, we're on whatever journey we're on in this lifetime, and we have to encounter negative energies in order to learn how to grow ourselves. Right. 
you know, I mean, I when I saw Mark Dobson, when I looked into his eyes, I thought I saw evil. I yeah. mean, that was my but it was an evil and a level of nothingness, if that makes Empty. sense. Emptiness. Yeah. Compl- and I I couldn't comprehend how someone could do that to other people, but now through my journey, I'm just like, you know, our minds are just so complicated Mm -hmm. and we just really don't understand what was in his mind. Mm -hmm. And now I wish him happiness and love. And that was a very big step in my recovery was to forgive him for what he basically put me through. And I see him as a human being who probably needs love more than a lot of people. Would you visit him in prison? No. Not yet anyway. I've met people that have been had interacted with him in the prison and um, just doing talks randomly. It's such a small world. Yeah. And that was a bit of a trigger for me. So I have a healthy boundary surrounding that part of it. Meaning, no, you're not going to go to the prison and say, hey, what's up? Right. But maybe I would get to that point one day. I would never say no. Yeah. I, I mean, I speak of it so often I've processed it. It's something that doesn't, you know, control me anymore. It's really not even in my nightmares anymore. If I have a nightmare, they're just silly more so. Right. And like the cookie monster chasing like you. Like the cookie monster, something. <laughs> yeah, the Wicked Witch and the Wizard of Oz, something. Yeah, yeah. And so it's different. But I also, I just know that maybe that will never happen, and it's just not on my bucket list. <laughs> There's a direct correlation between the quality of life and the quality of relationships in our life. Mm-hmm, absolutely. How are the relationships in your life as a result of being Miss PTSD? They've, relationships have changed profoundly. And I think, again, it has a lot to do with the energy that you put out. Because now people, the, the people that are close to me have the same energy like you know and i've and even stumbling upon so my friend kim forster is um she read my blogs and saw me do a presentation and that's how the book all started so she said natalie you really need to put this into a book and then she introduced me to heather down who's the publisher winter tickle press and all three of us are the same positive energy it clicked like Mm. right away that's cool I always said, okay, well, maybe I'll put, I'll do a book, but it was never really like, oh, that'll probably be too difficult and complicated. It just worked. Hmm. So I'm surrounded by people like that now that are amazing. And things just seem to, the universe, honestly, I say this all the time, it, if you listen to it, it's, it is telling you what to do. <laughs> and you just have to listen. It's your gut. It's telling you. When you... I would imagine a byproduct of PTSD is not trusting yourself. Does that then also jump into not trusting others mm. because you don't trust yourself? Because you don't even know how to spell trust anymore? I don't, like, I, I've learned how to trust myself. You have? Yes. I've learned how to trust my gut and my instincts, and that's amazing. What's, what's your gut say about me? Oh, that you're very nice. Yeah, I, li- I liked you even when we were on the phone. Folder. No, I can tell. I can tell. You have a good energy. Um, but trusting others is still difficult for me. Hmm. And I think that's just um, a coping mechanism that I need to really get to know you first. And then we'll go from there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'd like to read to you something. Sure. You ready? I am. I wish you'd see but never feel this illness dark to some not real. 
I wish you'd know it hurts to breathe. My lungs collapse when comfort leaves. I wish you'd cast my scars away, repair the marks I formed each day. I wish that answers existed near to rid my soul of unfounded fear. I wish each tear was never there. They drown my courage left to care. I wish I'm brave enough to smile, sustain down heartache's endless mile. I wish you'd camouflage each sting the blackness seems to always bring. I wish I knew I'd be okay, believe tomorrow's a brighter day, but I can wish with all my might it won't discount this ceaseless fight. This wish will sail up to the sky with all the rest who've said goodbye. I'll wish tomorrow just for hope or conjure up some way to cope. Through darkness black, I'll make my way exist again another day. I wish. What was happening in your world on November 14th, 2014 when you wrote that? I was in the very early stages of my recovery. I was still very much in a confusing dark world. And confusing is a really good word to use for that. When you're in it, it is so hard to navigate. And it's, it's a process. Hmm. It, it takes time. And I didn't want it to take time because I like things done and just tell me what to do and I'll do it. And there were no answers. So I was still wishing. Wishing was the only thing I could do to get out of confusion. Wish, 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 because I have no answers. That's kind of where I was. I like it. <laughs> Natalie Harris is the author of Save My Life School, a first responder's mental health journey. Um, running out of time here, so I really want to get to, uh, is it Prince Eric from The Little Mermaid? Oh, yeah. Yeah, how's he? <laughs> I don't know. Should I know how he is? Mr. Trudeau, you hung out oh! with... That's who he Sorry. looks like. I gotcha. He's lovely. He was a very nice guy. Yeah. I shouldn't call the prime minister a guy, but he was wonderful. Yeah. Very kind, shook my hand and looked me in the eye. If we're speaking of energies, he had a great energy, and I know all the conservatives and NTP won't agree with that, but he really did. You're making some waves. Good for you. Thank you. Yeah, you're really kind of um, championing the cause. and. Thanks. Um, and I think it's it's really, I don't know. I think you're at, you've come along at the right time, the right place. Mm -hmm. You're the right person for the right job. You really are. This is a perfect fit. Thank you. It sucks that it had to kind of go this way, or the trajectory of your life had to go this way. Yes, but, but I agree with you 100. percent Yeah, it was you, all meant to be. You go, girl. Thank you. <laughs> I will. Um, let's finish with this. Considering what you've seen and done and felt and how it's played havoc with your soul and the fact that you're a mom and as far as I have seen over the years, once a mom, always a mom and there's the mama bear inside of you that wants to protect your son from the crap that you've experienced, et cetera, et cetera. But there's also, I would imagine, some – you have also – I mean your son has also experienced things because of you – that you just regret and feel crappy about. Am I right about that? Or? For sure. Okay. For sure. So at the risk of being like a little Oprah here, you can see your son through the glass. Yes, he's giving me thumbs up. Yeah. What do you say to him? I'm so proud of him. 
I'm so <laughs> he's giving me props. I'm I he amazes me every day. If we want again, if we want to talk about positive energies, that is Adam and everyone feels it. And he uh he loves his mom, he takes care of his mom and I think he's a happy kid now that I'm a happy mom. He's an amazing amazing kid. <laughs> Thanks Adam. <laughs> <laughs> You guys are really neat, really neat. That time just flew, it did. flew by. I'm so sorry that we're we're out of time, That's but uh, okay. don't don't feel that you have to rush off, uh, folks. We've been chatting with Natalie Harris. She's the author of Save My Life School: A First Responder's Mental Health Journey. Uh, the website uh, that you may want to go to is a Facebook site. So go to Save My Life School on Facebook. Save My Life School. You can follow her and chat with her more uh, through that uh, Facebook page. A short break. Stay with us. But I always thought that I'd see you again. Won't you look down upon me, Jesus? You gotta help me make a stand. You just got to see me through another day. 